Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. For our text this week, we're going to turn to uh, Mark chapter 9. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to, to Mark 9, starting with verse 38 today, picking up right where we left off last week. Um, I had someone say, so are you sticking with the gospel text this week? And I looked at it and I said, oh boy. Uh, and I said, yes, I committed to doing that, so we're going to go for it. One of those weeks you're like, well, that's what the lectionary told us was uh, we're, we're reading today. So that's what we're going to do. Um, starting in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, reading through 50, out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I ask those who are willing and able to please stand today as we read the text. Reading from Mark chapter 9, verse, starting with verse 38. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone throwing demons out in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Jesus replied, Don't stop him. No one who does powerful acts in my name can quickly turn around and curse me. Whoever isn't, whoever isn't against us is for us. I assure you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will certainly be rewarded. As for whoever causes these little ones who believe in me to trip and fall into sin, it would be better for them to have a huge stone hung around their necks and to be thrown into the lake. If your hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off. It's better for you to enter into life crippled uh, than to go away with two hands into the fire of hell which can't be put out. If your foot causes you to fall into sin, chop it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter God's kingdom with one eye than to be thrown into hell with two. That's a place where worms don't die and the fire never goes out. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? Maintain salt among yourselves and keep peace with each other. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, uh, yesterday was, was a soccer Saturday. Uh, if, you, if, you, if your children played soccer, you know what I mean by soccer Saturday. If you've ever driven by Legacy Park on a Saturday between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m., you know what I mean by soccer Saturday. So we had three folks headed in, in three different directions yesterday. Uh, we had a 6-7 boys team, an 8-9 girls team, and a U14 team that happened to play in Fruitland uh, yesterday. Um, but uh, it was really uh, the first time that, that we, uh, we had um, 
both of our both of our younger squads going. So I I've been coaching soccer this season. Uh, both teams actually, um, and, and one team had their their game canceled last week. So this is the first time that we had two of two of the younger younger teams going. So I'm a little tired today. A little. A little worn out. Um, but it was the first time like we got to don those uniforms, right? And, and go out onto the to soccer pitch and, and, and to face the other team. Uh, and, and there's something about donning those uniforms. There's something about pulling those colors over your head, get all the little kids in those t-shirts and realize that there's this sense of just, you know, this is your team and you're going out on the field uh, and you're, you're out there against the other team. Um, we didn't have a lot of success on the soccer field yesterday morning. That's okay. Um, but we had a lot of fun. Um, and watching the kids uh, out there kicking the balls is, is great. But we come to this text today right on the heels of, of the passage from last week. Last week we had talked about Christ's second passion prediction. The disciples being afraid to go to Jesus, being like, Jesus, you're saying you're going to die, but we just don't understand this. What's, what's the deal? And they were afraid to ask. They were afraid to go to Jesus and say, we don't understand. Help us understand, Jesus. Help us, help us understand what you mean in this, in this scenario. Because they were afraid, or instead of, instead of going to ask Jesus, do you remember what they did? We got into a little argument, a little Muhammad Ali argument. Remember that? Uh, who's the greatest? Uh, they, were, they were all saying, um, trying to, to jockey for position, trying to figure out who was like Jesus' wingman. Who, who was the one that, that followed Jesus best? Who was the greatest? Kind of this progression from being fearful, from, from being afraid of approaching Jesus and saying, Jesus, we don't understand what you mean. You're going to Jerusalem to die? What's up with this? To this conversation of, well, you know what I do for Jesus. I do X, Y, and Z. And the other one says, well, you know what I do for Jesus. I'm really important. And Jesus catches them. Catches them in the act. Says, what, what were you talking about on the road back there? What, what, what was your conversation and they're like, mm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna confess. And he moves into teaching about a child, puts a child in front of them as a model for their lives, saying, "Who can have faith like this child? And who can welcome the children in?" Well, as we turn to this scripture today, kind of as as, as context for for our passage today, I, I think it's even necessary for us to look even even a little bit further back in Mark chapter 9. Earlier in chapter 9, there's this episode of, of a boy, uh, a boy who is possessed by a, a, an evil spirit. And, and the father comes, and, and this crowd gathers around Jesus, and, and that happened to Jesus a lot. Wherever he seemed to go, there were, there were plenty of people who wanted his attention. His father came in this crowd and shouts out above everybody else somehow, My, I have this son. He's plagued by this spirit. The disciples couldn't heal him. And Jesus hears this over the crowd. And somehow it caught Jesus' attention. Somehow it caught his ears over the roar of the crowd. And he says, bring the boy. And the father says this, you know, if, Jesus, if there's anything you can do, 
please help. And Jesus kind of like, if? We're like, what? <laughs> like, uh, if? He says, if you have faith, anything is possible. And, and, and the father's reply is great. I have faith. Please help my lack of faith. I have faith. But, but Jesus, please help my lack of faith. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Walking this journey of faith, and yet I need help. Jesus, help me with my lack of faith. Jesus commands the Spirit to, to come out and never return. Well, the disciples are befuddled, right? They're like, Jesus, help, help us out. So they, they kind of go off into this private place, and they're talking to Jesus, and, and, he, and they say, why, why couldn't we get the Spirit to come out of this boy? And Jesus says, throwing this kind of Spirit out requires prayer. Some translations, much prayer. And I don't know. I, I don't know if Jesus was, was correcting them. I don't know what their life was like. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't give us any context for that comment. But it kind of sounds like a little heavy-duty shade <laughs> being thrown into the disciples. Why weren't you praying? Come on, disciples. Why weren't you praying? Why? Where was the lack of power? Where was the lack of prayer in the lives of the disciples? I'm going to put in just a, a shameless plug here. We've been going through the Christian Basics Discipleship class on Wednesday evenings. I know not Wednesdays aren't available for all of you, but we talked about prayer uh, in our last class on, on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. So if you want to come to our Christian Basics class, it's, it's a great class. We, we, uh, we talked a lot about prayer on Wednesday. Well, I just wonder what kind of effect this had on the disciples. Right? The disciples who, who had, had had some ministry success, who had been able to cast out some evil spirits and been doing significant things as Jesus had, had walked with them and sent them on their way. But I wonder, this episode with this boy and Jesus saying, well, this one requires prayer in order to cast out the evil spirit. <laughs> their toast was already a little singed, right? Their pride had already taken a hit. I wonder if that had something to do with their fear last week in approaching Jesus. And I wonder if it had something to do with, with uh, uh, this week's passage as well. Okay, I get into the mind of the disciples to try to understand where they're coming from. And I can see them saying, okay, we messed up <laughs> on this last thing by not praying but we do know who Jesus is we do know who Jesus is and he's the guy that walks with us I mean he's on our side he's on our team <laughs> we wear his jersey we pull his colors over our shoulders as we walk he, he teaches us and talks with us and walks with us <laughs> they, they, they may say, we're not perfect at this thing yet, but we, we know where the power comes from, and that's this guy with us. We're the ones who've committed our lives to following him. We're the ones who've walked a day and night with him. We're the ones who laid down our nets. We're the ones who walked away from our jobs. Where are these guys getting coming, saying, invoking Jesus' name to cast out spirits? The funny thing about this passage is John kind of tells on himself, right? <laughs> There's almost pride in his statement that we started off with in verse 38. Uh, he says, teacher, we saw someone throwing demons out in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following you. We, 
Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. But he was like, we know who Christ is. He's the one that we walk with. He's the one that we, that we follow. And John was just really open about what he had done in that moment and what he had chosen to do and said, we, Jesus, don't worry. We kind of put a kibosh on that whole demon casting out thing when, when it's not us, right? Because we're on your team. We're the ones following you. There's almost pride there. And I think that's human nature. I think that's what we tend to do. We try, our brains try to figure out who's in and who's out. Who's the ones that, that have the authority and who doesn't? Who has it right and who has it wrong? It's easier to, to classify people in that way. It's easier to have nice, clean boxes to put people into. Remember the old movies, the guy with the black hat and the guy with the, the white hat? Maybe that's because it was black and white TV back then. I don't know. Um, but it made it very easy to figure out who, who we should root for. There's the cheery music and the dark music. As you've watched TV shows recently or, or series that you can, or even movies, the whole ambigu ambiguity toward good and bad is really something that, that storytellers are enjoying playing on these days. And you don't really know. They hold it to the very end. Who's working for the good and who's working for the bad? But Jesus does something that I love. Jesus blows this all to bits. <laughs> he says, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Whoever isn't against us has to be for us. Whoever isn't against us has to be for us. I, I'm so grateful for, for voices in my life. As I went through uh, college and, and kind of went through my training um, that helped shape me in my formative years in ministry, um, I, I wasn't very familiar with churches and the broad range of churches that exist. Um, I, I'm a Nazarene kid. My grandpa was a, was a Nazarene pastor. Uh, we attended Ontario Nazarene Church growing up. I went to a Nazarene school. I got Nazarene ordination credentials. I've served in Nazarene churches. I'm, I'm one-dimensional in, in, in that regard, primarily because I love the Nazarene church. And I love her theology, and I love the connectivity that we have with other Nazarenes around the globe. Part of why we ha can pray for, for Freedom Sunday is that we have churches in, in hundreds of world areas around the globe. And we're connected in that network that way. So I'm grateful for that. But I'm also grateful for voices that taught me the important lesson that there are other churches out there. That there are other voices out there preaching Jesus' name and committed to the study of God's word. I'm grateful that, that um, I learned a sense of, of ecumenism. That's a big word for you today. I looked it up on Google because I wanted to make sure I had that right. And I did. Ecumenism, a principle or aim or promoting unity among the world's Christian churches. You see, 
we're not against the other Christian churches. I want the Lutheran church to have great worship today. I want Calvary Chapel to, to have a moment of, of deep and, and intimate communion with God. I want them to reach those that don't know the name of Jesus Christ. It's dangerous to, to talk that way because I think that what we have here is something valuable. And yet it's so important, it's so important for us to understand that we don't compete. It's not, a, it's not a business. It's not one church above the other. One thing I love about the Nazarene church is that we're big tent Christians. What do I mean by that? We know our place in the theological landscape. We know what we believe and we've defined that and that's important to us. And yet we also know there's a wide variety out there. We don't have to be right but we're proud of where we land. Um, we don't have to be right, um, but at the end of the day, we have this list of essential beliefs, uh, things that, that have to be in, or, in order to be Orthodox Christian, in, in order to, to follow Christ. And for us as big tent Christians, I think that that list is, is relatively small. And that in, that in that list is belief in Jesus Christ, belief in the, the fact that he came to earth, that he walked among us, that he died on a cross for our sins. There is a God, and we're not him or her. There's no gender on God, really, but that's another discussion. It's called Father a lot in the Bible. Um, there are so many things to get caught up in. But for the Nazarene church, in the non-essentials, we take a posture of generosity and grace because we're on the same team, Jesus' team. And if you want to talk about jerseys, we all pull the same jersey on. And that's why I love praying for, for other churches. That's why I love to stay, say out loud that we celebrate the successes that they have. We pray for the Baptists, the Church of God, the Assemblies of God, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Churches of Christ, and all others. Even our spiritual forebearers, right? The churches that existed before Protestant churches were connected to the Roman Catholic Church and to the Eastern Orthodox Church. Traditions that may seem weird and ultimately I don't really understand, I don't follow. But I do that in a humble posture not a judgmental posture. Amen? That we can we cannot understand, and that's okay. And that might be a point in which we have something to learn. Maybe not adopt. Maybe not say, okay, this is what I'm going to do from here on out. But a, a chance for us to learn. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you aren't against us, then you're for us. I wish I knew the story. Right? I wish I had this story from the other side. The one who had one of Jesus' disciples come to me and be like, hey, you can't cast out demons in, in Jesus' name. He's with us. Like, I want to know what that was like and what, what that person's experience was. Well, Jesus moves right into this true and simple expression of hospitality. Straight from from acknowledging and pulling together those who were following Christ 
he moves right into this example of hospitality, sharing a cup of cold water. Is this coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think this is coincidence. Disciples were, were just scolding a fellow believer of Jesus for, for doing too much, for invoking the name of Jesus. And Jesus reminds them of basic hospitality. How about we offer a cup of cold water? How about we invite the stranger in? How about we meet the needs, the basic needs of those around us? As a way of unifying God's people, there is no simpler way to be the body of Christ than to serve your neighbor. Than to serve your neighbor. A complete turnaround from their response to this person who was casting out evil spirits unauthorized without Jesus' stamp of approval. Well, Jesus then moves into kind of some more of this teaching, these uh, statements of things to avoid, um, making a little one stumble, <laughs> causing, uh, cause, being caused to sin by one's hand or one's foot or one's eye. So the kids' coloring sheets today, are, there's, there's like this leg and this hand and this eyeball. So um, it kind of ties it in for us. But, but what, was, what was Jesus meaning? Um, I, Joel Marcus, a commentator, um, was talking about how these, these different body parts represents different motivations or different ways. The hand, uh, the actual committing of sin. That we have to avoid it. We have to say it's worth it to make effort to not commit sin. And then he talks about the foot, that, that there, are, there are habits and, and places that we go that we know are not healthy for us. That we know are not good for us. And says, don't go to those places. Talks about the eye and, and, and thinks about the, the, the dwelling upon of sin. And the, that we can let our eyes and our minds linger on those things that we know separate us from God. And Jesus says instead we're supposed to be, to be salt, to re- retain our saltiness. Do you know what unsalty salt is good for? Nothing right? Retain our saltiness, retain our usefulness, retain our purpose in life. Where's the, writer, the gospel writer going with all us, all of this? What is, what is our takeaway, our challenge, our call to action this morning? The problem of this text is, is, is the same problem that we had last week. The disciples had just got done arguing about greatness. (laughs) Who is the greatest? There's this evidence that while they're literally walking the path with Jesus, literally taking the steps that he is taking, they've yet to learn the heart and the character of Christ. this This transformative process for the disciples, the people literally following Jesus, was still underway. They're still becoming new in their lives with room to grow even as they walk with Christ. Kent Brower wrote this, quote, the disciples are followers on the outside but their character and identity are still being transformed on the journey as Jesus teaches them both in word and in deed. End quote. 
Where does he end this instruction? Where does he end this teaching? He says, maintain your salt, or maintain salt among yourselves and keep peace with each other. And with that, he closes out this teaching segment. They started at, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, (laughs) you remember what you did last week? No, you're not the greatest. Let me tell you what I do for Jesus. And with this statement, he closes the teaching. Keep peace with each other. I also think this this reveals that oftentimes God shows up in in the most unexpected places. The disciples stopped others from from doing work that they felt called to do. This was the work that the, the, the disciples had committed their lives to. And their response was, wait, no, that's our job. We're supposed to do that. That's our Jesus you're claiming here. Stop it. Can I tell you that God's at work? God's at work in Mountain Home. God's at work in the place where you go to work. God's at work in your school. God's at work with your friends. God's at work in places where you and I don't expect it and that we can't tell. And I believe if we look, if we open our eyes to the things that God is doing, we might be surprised. <laughs> we might say, whoa, wait, is that supposed to happen? Don't say it out loud. Instead, join in. Instead, join in. What a moment it could have been for the disciples to affirm and to maybe join in and to participate with what God was up to. Help me not be the one who tries to shut down the work of God because it's not about me or because I'm not involved or it's not where I expected. There's a sense in this passage that, that calls us to be participants in what God is doing. But we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to be aware and ready to notice. I'm going to invite the, the praise team and those who are prepared to uh, serve us communion to join me up here on the platform. In a world in which too often we mark, our, mark off our differences in our churches. We mark off churches by, by what we have different from one another. One of my favorite moments in worship is when we come together to receive the Eucharist meal, the communion meal. It's this sense of stripping away the differences in the body of Christ, the larger body of Christ, the capital C church. Not pulling on different colored jerseys because the names on our signs are a little different. We follow the same Christ and it's that Christ who invites us to the table of grace. It's that Christ who who says, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. I can guarantee you around the world today, in the past 24 hours, hundreds of thousands of Christ followers have gathered in churches that are small and large and shared in this meal. Orthodox churches and Nazarene churches, Lutheran and Presbyterian churches, Catholic and and congregational churches. People have been offered the bread and the cup and been given this simple invitation. Come 
and dying. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your church that goes wide, of which we're all a part, of which we're not the gatekeepers. <laughs> Praise Jesus. But we just get to follow after you. And today as we come and as we partake in these elements, I pray that you would remind us of your sacrifice, of, of, of all that you did to allow us to share in communion with you. But I also pray that you would bind us together with your people throughout the world, those who follow Jesus, who look to the word, bind us to them as we worship in this way. In Christ's name I pray, amen. The table is set, the invitation is given. Come and dine. I invite you to stand, those who are willing and able to receive the benediction this morning. I invite you also to extend your hands just as a physical expression of receiving these words today. Lord, may you open our eyes to see you at work around us and may we join in with the greater body of Christ to serve one another in love. In the name of Christ and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.